Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Come on. If He is your refuge, come on, I said if He's your strength, if your chain breaker is in the room, come on, if you put your trust in your hope in Jesus, that you would say you were one way at one point in your life, but God, I need somebody to lift up a shout of praise in the room. Can we pray? Father God, we thank you for the opportunity that we get to spend in your presence. Holy Spirit, right now we invite you. We declare that this is holy ground and we welcome our champion into the room our refuge and our strength. And we pray that as as your word goes forth, that lives would be changed, that generations would be changed, that the future for our children would look different because of a Sunday morning where we just decided to lean into the presence of God. Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and it's in your mighty name we pray. And everybody said? Oh, come on, everybody said? I'm going to get this out of the way. I am confused by my shirt as well. I don't know if I'm dressed up or if I should just put my hands in my pockets. That's how my daughter says pockets, pockets. I don't know either. Um, So as you're seated, you just turn to your neighbor, have a quick discussion on what is this? I don't know either. Go ahead and have a seat. (laughs) I am confused as well. Well, welcome to Coast Life Church. My name is Trevor Ritchie. I'm the Next Generations Director here. And what that means is I have the honor and privilege of taking care of all of the babies, all of them from the ages of the womb all the way to college, because they are still babies. And all the parents who have college students are like, yeah, amen. I'm still paying for all. Cell phone bills, still paying for it. But we want to welcome a group of individuals that are joining us for the first time. It is our honor and our privilege to get to serve you this morning. So Coastline family, can we welcome all those first time guests? So we are in a collection of talks titled The Window, and it is on generosity and tithing. And they always do this to me where they give me the impossible task of like week three or four. We're like... There's been multiple messages that have just been crushed. And then I get to follow. I'm just like, I walk up here, I'm like, all right, cool. Like week one, Pastor Marcus did a message titled, should a man like me run away? What? Never. I'm out here. No, I'm just kidding. Like (laughs) old me came back real quick. Like I ain't going nowhere. And last week, Pastor Jason preached a message titled, a hungry world, a sufficient God. And now I have to follow. And not only that, last weekend was Vision Weekend, where Pastor Jason laid out the vision for 2022 and talked about the different lanes that we're going to be running in next year. And the first one, you know, the, there's a building. That's a thing. So we're like doing that. So that's a lane. It's a big lane. I would say like five lanes, 95, you know, one of those. 
People are like, how many lanes are on 95? Not five. Well, it depends on where you are. And then there's a next generation's lane. And I am just so grateful and thankful that we have pastors who understand that the vision of this church is for the next generation. Like, is anybody else thankful for Pastor Jason and Pastor Heidi? Like, that, that they just understand that we are building a church for our children and our children's children. That we will sow seeds that we won't even see the harvest from. That my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren will worship in the house that we are building today. That's what vision is. And then there's a missions lane. We are going to build a, a, a building in Africa for a church. I'm going. Maybe if my wife lets me, I got to ask permission. I have to say, please. But God gives us vision to move the church forward. Like the, the, the vision is not for us. The vision is for our legacy. Because if we wanted to go to church... We could, and it could stay exactly like this. But that would do nothing for our children. And so God gives us a vision for something bigger and something greater. God calls us to build the church for tomorrow, but he gives us today to do it. And so that's what makes weekends like Legacy Offering Weekend so important. December 5th, December 4th and 5th, we are giving. We are sowing into the future. We are sowing into the next generation. And we say that our, gener- or our legacy offering is our over and above. I love Pastor Jason's message last week. Sometimes you just need clarity, right? The tithe is the first 10% that is dedicated to God, already set aside. And then we step into an offering like legacy, and it's our over and above. What, is, what are we saying? Jesus, you didn't ask for it, but this is yours. I'm honoring you with this. This is my sacrifice. This is my offering from my heart. So in two weeks... We have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to partner with the vision of this house. And we get to sow into everything that God is going to do here at Coastside. And I don't know about you, but I live my life with an exclamation point. I'm the guy who just texts you who never puts a period. Like everything, yes! Everyone who's really laughing, it's because I've texted them before. They're like, he never puts a period. That's because I am just excited about what God is doing every day of every moment. Like I woke up today and I had breath in my lungs. That's worth a couple exclamation points. I get to be a part of a church where God is moving us forward. That's worth a little bit of excitement. Is anybody excited to be a part of a house that God is growing and God is building? So let's do a message today. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Daniel. So if you got your Bible, you can turn to it. If you got the glowing Bible, you charged it last night. It can let you get there. If you're like me, you're like, table of context. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And my Bible, it's 1,040. That's the page. I know because I looked it up in the table of contents. We're going to be preaching a message. And I want to preface. The message is on legacy. Surprise. This is like a super shocker, right? Like everybody's like, cool, the next generation guy preaching on the next generation. Just go with me for a second. Okay, let's take a journey. Let's just take a journey because I want to address something that I hear a lot in culture and now I, I, I believe it's, it's permeating the church. 
And it's this idea that the, the generation that is rising up, elementary, middle school, high schoolers, that they're, that they're lost, that we're losing them to the world, that, that there's, there's nothing we can do. Statements like, I, I don't want to have children in today's society because I don't want my children to grow up in a world like this or statements like children these days, they just don't get it. They're just, you know, they're, they're just disrespectful. They're, just, they're spoiled. They're, they're self-centered. You know, you're walking through the mall and you see a group of a teenagers. Come on, you, you know, you've been there, right? You see them all grouped up. They're kind of dressed like me. It's like super awkward. <laughs> and your mind goes there and you're like, oh, they're up to, up to no good, right? Like it's just, it's this mindset, it's these words that we've, we've placed on the next generation. It's a, it's a narrative that we're, we keep speaking. And can I just say, we don't receive it. Like we do not receive that. We do not receive the false narrative that our children are somehow lost. We do not receive it as the truth. We actually choose to replace it with the word of God and the promises that are placed in there that the next generation is blessed. The next generation is anointed. The next generation will do greater things than we will ever do. That's what we choose to believe. Because here's the truth. The truth is that those things are lies. Lies that the enemy wants us to believe. Why? So that we will stop trying. We will stop believing. We will stop building. We will stop building a church that makes hell nervous. It's the enemy trying to get us to stop. And I will not. Why? Because the enemy cannot have my kids. And not only can he not have my kids, the enemy can't have this region. I just need a church that believes that this region belongs to God. And there's a church that is planted in the center of it. That has just decided that the enemy can no longer play games with our children. That we will stay firm on the promises of the word of God and we will speak blessing over our children that we bind every lie from the enemy and we speak the promises and you say but wait Trevor like they're lost maybe but they're only as lost as long as we don't decide to lead them to love them, to encourage them, to point them to the answer. And so today we're going to take a look at a story of four Hebrew boys, all of them, Daniel, and some of you may know the other three as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I have always found it weird that we, we know Daniel, like we, we reference Daniel from his Hebrew name, but then we, we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by their Babylonian names. Go look it up. It's bothered me. I don't know why we do that, but we do. So we're going to be reading out of Daniel 6, verse 10. And the NIV says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees. Can I just say that Daniel is a savage? We will learn in a moment. But that, we'll learn. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And I want to remind us of a verse from last week. It's also the verse that's the inspiration for this collection. It's Malachi. <laughs> if you were here last week, it's Malachi. 
Pastor said it, not me. Uh, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I wanna preach a message titled, Pull Back the Curtains. Pull back the curtains. My wife and I just went on a vacation, called it a baby moon. I didn't know it's a thing. I don't really need an excuse to take a trip. I have three children that are an excuse enough. (laughs) And so we're pregnant with our fourth. And I was like, let's do one of those things where we go away and just claim it's a baby moon. And and she's like, what are we going to do? I was like, breathe. (laughs) So we went up to the mountains. And the first night we were there, we, we, you know, you, you do what you do. You like, you pull the curtains closed and you, you go to bed. And we, I just kept sleeping. Like I kept woke, waking up, but I was sleeping. And I was like, man, at one point I was like, what time is it? These were good curtains. <laughs> you ever been on a cruise and you slept in the middle? You know what I'm talking about? There ain't no light. You just, <sighs> nine days later, you wake up, the boat stopped moving. You're just like, it was a five day cruise. I did three of them. It's just... <laughs> Somebody's checking my math. It doesn't make sense. There was no light coming in. And so I just kept sleeping because I didn't know any better. And then I got up and it was like past 10. And I was like, first of all, thank you, Jesus. Rest. Is this what a Sabbath feels like? I love this. But I felt like I was missing out. Like I missed out on my whole morning. We have an entire next generation that is asleep to the things of God. But they don't know any better. So it is not their fault. Something or someone in their life has drawn the curtains to the light of the world and they just don't know. And so you say, well, then, well, well, well what do we do? Well, then that, that's where we come in. It is our responsibility. Why? Because there is a thirsty generation. They are thirsty. I can tell you this firsthand. Because they'll show up on a Thursday and they're standing there with their little handwritten name tag because we handwrite them if it's their first time. We tell them that we can't print them out, but we can. We just, we handwrite them so then I know it's their first time. And so then I cheat. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's how I got through college. And so, so they're standing there. Oh, don't judge me. Okay. (laughs) Judgy pants. Okay. They're standing there and I can see them covered in their shame, their hurt, their pain, their past mistakes. They're standing there and they're trying to figure out why they're even here. They're standing in the breezeway and then they walk in the room and they're trying to figure out why am I, why am I here? There is a look in their eye. They are in, in pain. They are hurting. They are confused. They are living in a world that lacks any type of truth. They, they don't know which way to go. The enemy has them just walking in circles, but then they sit in these seats. And they listen to worship and they hear a message from the truth 
And something inside of their spirit just lights up. You can see it. Their eyes go from these deer in headlights, like, would somebody just give me something that is true in my life, to all of a sudden you can tell that their thirst has been quenched by the living water. And all of a sudden, everything inside of them lights up. So I will tell you that the next generation is not lost, but on fire. Because when you grow up in a world that is lacking truth, the first time you're spirit hears it everything in you jumps and that is a fire you cannot put out and that's the next generation that we are raising but it's our responsibility to build a church to move church forward faster than the world is trying to pull them back it is our responsibility to go first it is our responsibility as the people of God to reach the lost the hurting, to bring people who are far from God near God. Of course, there are people that are far from God. That's where we come in. Like we have to prepare the way. There is power in these stories. When we go to the book of Daniel, we're introduced to four Hebrew boys. And at this point in their life, they have been captured. Judah has been captured by Babylon and the boys have been taken because King Nebuchadnezzar, call him Nebi, little Nebi, it's fine, has ordered a decree that they they will go and find boys who are of good stature, good looking, without blemish, skillful, wise, knowledgeable. Some of you are like, are you describing the boys or yourself? Good looking. (laughs) Good looking. I'll say it again, wise and good looking. (laughs) Because if you want to destroy the people of God, you don't need to kill all of us. You just need to capture our next generation. You just need to isolate them indoctrinate them, give them new identities. That's how you end the the people of God. Why? Because they will not grow up and they will not pass the truth of God's word down to their children. That is why you look out and you're saying, is the next generation lost? No, they're just under attack. That's where we come in and we stand firm and we pass what was passed to us. Because there was something different about these boys. The generation that had come before them, the previous generation, had passed these boys a truth that this new world could not pull out. They were teenagers. Theologians will estimate anywhere between the ages of 13 and 17, and the theologians in the room will confirm that for me later. (laughs) They were teenagers. And now they're being put to the test. Their faith is being tested, but we'll see over and over and over again how they respond out of their faith and not out of their fear because they were responding in the things that they were taught, the things that they were passed to them. So today my question is, what are we passing to our children? I ask this question a lot because we have to understand that we cannot pass, we cannot teach what we have not learned. We have to first learn it. 
as this generation. And then we can turn and pass. So today I just want a heart check. Every time I write a message, God checks me 9,000 times. So it's only fair that uh, mm -hmm, I just help you. <laughs> so we're gonna take a heart check today and say, are, are we passing what we can learn in the book of Daniel? Are we passing those truths to our children? And the first thing that we need to learn and then pass is to live out godly convictions, not out of our flesh. See, in Daniel 1... The boys are assigned a daily portion of the king's food. And immediately, Daniel's resolved, big word for you. He's like, I'm not eating it. I can't eat this. It will defile me. It'll go against my dietary practices. It'll go against my convictions. I cannot eat this. So he strikes a deal with the chief eunuch. He said, listen, 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 listen. Give me vegetables and water. Give, give me that and I will be stronger. Me and my friends will be stronger than the youth that eats from the king's table. So he says, test me, 10 days. I'm not called to this. Vegetables and water? <laughs> Woo! He ha they had the Lord on their side, I know. Because I ate like celery once. What is celery? I only eat it because I dip ranch in it. It's good. After 10 days, the boys were found to be in better condition than all the other youth that had eaten from the, Lord's table, from the king's table. But the king's table, it, it would be, it would, it, I mean, meat, wine. Our children will eat. They will either eat from the world or the storehouse. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe to the storehouse so that there will be food in my house. What does that mean? That there would be ministry. You see, the king's food, it would be like, one, they would have sacrificed it to false idols. They would have blessed it through false gods. And then it would have been attractive to our flesh. It would have been some, a steak, wine, you have my attention. Right? It would have been something that our flesh would want, but the boys were taught to deny their flesh. They were taught that they could live on God's word and they should not defile their bodies. So they had a conviction, that they, a belief that they were not going to be persuaded. It was not something that they were gonna debate about. And so they stood on what they believed and then God did not fail them. So the world tempted them, but there was food in the storehouse. There was ministry they found from God's word. There is food in this storehouse. Our children are eating right now. We will see over 150 kids in elementary school, ages all the way from babies all the way up through fifth grade, every single weekend step on campus and they will eat. That is why we tithe, because our children are eating right now. On Thursdays, we will see over 200 youth students in this region come and they will eat from the storehouse. We saw a hundred people show up the last two days for Freedom Conference and they were eating from the storehouse. Bring the full tithe so that there will be food in my house. God is saying ministry comes from the storehouse. There needs to be food in my house. 
so that people can live to live not on what the world is giving them, but they will learn to live on God's word and the truth that is found in it. And so now the boys are tempted. Don't get it twisted. The, The world is coming to tempt our children. The world is already at their doorstep. That is why we do children's ministry from babies because we start in dreamers praying, listening to worship, and they have a, a message in their babies. Why? Just planting seeds that they'll hear it. Their spirit, their mind may not comprehend, but their spirit understands that it is that it is food from the storehouse. So the four Hebrew boys, they stand on their convictions. Our children will stand on their convictions. The next generation will choose. And then I love it. When they will choose, the Bible gives us a promise. If you read in Daniel 1 and you get to verse 20, you will see the promise. The boys not only passed the 10-day test, but then in every opportunity that they were tested, they were found 10 times more capable than the other youths in things of knowledge balanced judgment our children will not only pass the test they will not only stand on the convictions that we teach them and the 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 promises and the beliefs that we pass to them but then they will be found 10 times more capable than others in this world in wisdom and balanced judgment that is a promise that i choose to believe for the next generation So the second test comes in Daniel 3. And what we can pull from this story is that we need to learn and teach our children to worship God rather than worshiping self or worldly idols. See, it's here in Daniel 3 where King Nebi's up to it again. Just a little Nebi. I feel like he was short. Like a little Nebi. You're like, how? Well, because then he just built a 90-foot tower. You see what I, or uh, an idol. He just built a statue that was 90 feet, so I just assumed he was short. (laughs) And then he says, at the sound of the instruments, you will fall and worship. And so now they have a choice. You see, the statue was either, it was a statue, some, some scholars say it was a statue that was of actually King Nebuchadnezzar, like he built himself. And then others would say that it may have been Baal, which would have been their chief idol that they worship. It was like a demon god, like 90 feet tall. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, no, we're not going to bow to that. Right. No, like we will not. Right. We will stand in allegiance to God and God alone. And even with the threat of the fiery furnace, they declared that God would save them. But then we see a line that puts their belief in God on full display, even if. Even if he does not, we will not worship your God and we will not worship your statue. It is the same lies. The enemy has no new tricks. And so what is the lie for today? Children. Worship self. Next generation, go find your worth on everything you post on the social media, Instagram, Snapchat. Go worship 
self. Post something of yourself. Make a golden statue of ourselves. Make a golden statue of our sexuality. Make a golden statue of, the, of our beliefs. Make a, a golden statue of our wants. Make a golden statue. Make a golden statue out of anything and everything that you desire. The world just continues to build statues and then tells our children to worship them. So why do a legacy offering? Not to build a statue, to build a church in the center of this community that will teach our children to worship God and God alone. It will teach them to not only worship him, but to put him first, that he comes first. He is the king that sits on the throne of my heart. I will not bow. We will not bow. So why do we do a legacy offering? To sow into what we want to see in this community, to sow into what we want our children to believe in, to sow into what we want the future for the church to look like. That is why we do a legacy offering. It's to sow into what we believe in. It's to seek the truth, not our truth, not my truth, but the truth that is found in God's word, the truth. And that's the generation that we're raising up, an even if generation. Because the cross does not say to sacrifice to idols. The cross says to die to self. It doesn't say worship self. It says, no, 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 die to self. Pick up my cross daily to worship God, to to move after, chase after Jesus. That is the generation that we are training, that daily they will get up and they will choose Jesus every single day, even if, an even if generation, That when staring at the threat of a fiery furnace, we'll stand on the truth. Stand on the truth of the word of God. But they're going to bring their friends with them. My prayer is that we're not building an auditorium with 800 seats just for the weekend. That when we gather on Thursdays, that we will fill the auditorium. We are not building 10 children classrooms going from four to 10, all of them larger than the rooms over there. We're not building that because we expect it to stay empty. No, we are building it because we are going to fill it with the next generation of God's church. And we're going to raise up leaders and pastors and worship leaders. The next generation will build a church that is greater than ours. And people ask me all the time, God's doing great things in the youth. We've seen over 200 people. When's too big? When's enough is enough? Well, I went to homecoming and I got to see all of our children walking around. And I I saw there was just something different about them. They're just carrying a joy. They're just not doing the same things. But then God shifted my perspective and showed me all of the others. The ones that are still lost, the ones that are still hurting, the ones that are living without hope. So if you ask me how big is too big, there is not. We will just continue to serve. As God sends them, we will serve them. 800 seats. If I got to sit, if we got to sit them on the floors, we'll sit them on the floors. Why? Because the next generation is hungry for the word of God. And this region needs it. We're taking it back. So the last test comes almost 60 years later. Daniel is not a teenager anymore. 
Do some math. He's in his 70s or 80s. This is why I said he was a savage. There's just something to be said about a man who spends 70 years with God. You just don't care. (laughs) And we're going to read because here's the thing. He's serving under a new king, King Darius. And he teaches us one last thing. That through his faithfulness and his, his steadfast, stand firm attitude his entire life, he will teach us to live with an open window. See, at the beginning of the message, we read that Daniel had learned that there was a decree that was passed. And the decree had actually forbid anyone from praying to any other being, any other God than King Darius. Way to go. And so when Daniel heard it, he was like, cool. Went upstairs in his house with the windows open. And scripture says, Three times a day, got down on his knees and thanked God like he always had done. Homework, go home and do that. 70 plus years, every day, three times a day, got down on his knees and thanked God. So when they told him he couldn't spend time with his God, even with the threat of a lion's den. He wouldn't be silenced. Even when culture said that was enough, he said never. Because as a teenage boy, he was tested. And he learned something at that age. He learned some grit. He learned that his God would never leave him. He learned that God would never forsake him. He learned that is what the next generation is learning. That's why they're hungry. So how does the way we're living speak to the next generation? Are we unashamed, unapologetic about our love for Jesus? Our desire to see his church being built and expand? But the world is trying to shut our mouths. What is our response? Can I pull back the curtains? As Christians, we are called to live generously. Why? Because it's opposite of the world. The world is teaching our children to get theirs. Do whatever by any means possible to get where you want to get. Climb over people, abuse people, use people. Do whatever you want to do as you worship the idol that you have built. Get yours. But the cross says to give and give freely that Jesus gave it all so that you and I could have the access to live an abundant life in Jesus Christ the cross says give so we live generously as the people of God why do a legacy offering what are we giving towards people our children There are people sitting in this room that as they grew up, never heard the name of Jesus. I need some of us who have been doing this for a while to hear that. There is a person in your row who was raised without hope, who was raised without the answer 
to every situation that they were walking through, who was raised without the pain, without the answer to their pain, who was raised without the hope, without the light that is Jesus. They were raised without it. Why give to a legacy offering? Because there are still more families that have lived in bondage for generations. When is it enough? When as the people of God are we going to sow into and believe by faith that as we give, families will come to know Jesus and in return, the bondage that has been over their family, the generational curses will be broken in the name of Jesus and the blessings that our children will get to experience, theirs will. That is why we live with an open hand and a big heart. My open hand says, I know a loving savior. And as he gives, I release. He gives, I release. Because now I am just a vessel so that more people can come to know him. Over and over and over again. The Hebrew boys would be tested, but they would stand firm again and again and again on their convictions. Eat the food of the king. No. God delivered them. fiery furnace you better worship that idol no God delivered them you will not pray to your God Daniel's response let me open my windows and so the officials went to Daniel's home and they found him praying asking God for help as the people of God, is that our prayer today? Help those who do not yet know you. Use me to reach the lost. Help. And so as they take Daniel and place him in the lion's den, King Darius would go the next morning to check on the dead body. But if you know the story, Daniel was not dead. That as through the night, God would shut the mouths of the lions and Daniel would be unharmed. And like every time before, the king who would try to make the Hebrew boys do something, King Nebi, King Darius, they would come to have a encounter with God because they would come to see the power and the might and, and, and what God was truly capable of doing. And so now all of a sudden, King Darius gets a revelation of the God who Daniel serves. And then he writes this. This is a man who worshiped idols his entire life, but writes this about our God. In Daniel 6, 25, it says, then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree, a new one. That in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never, 
end. He rescues, he saves, he performs signs and wonders in earth and on, in heaven. And he rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. That is our God. Our God who rescues. Our God who saves. Funny how he writes that to all nations in every tongue. Like he caught a revelation that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You get a revelation that is beyond your understanding. You've worshiped idols your entire life, but then all of a sudden, in one moment, you are now singing the praises of the God who saved you. That is what happens. That is what happens each and every week as we stand in the presence of God. People catch a revelation of who God is. It doesn't make sense. To our logical mind, we preach a message for 35 minutes. Your mind can't figure it out, but God. You sat in a service just like this at one point in your life, and you don't even remember what the pastor preached about. But the Holy Spirit was talking to you the whole time that you are loved that you are favored, that you are blessed. You were standing in a moment where you thought you were surrounded by a fiery furnace, but you learned in that moment that there was another in the fire, that there was a God who was standing there all along. That when you felt like you were surrounded by lions, that you were being devoured by the earth, you would come to realize that there is a lion. The lion of Judah. That every lion, every person would come to know that you cannot harm one of mine. And he shuts the mouths of lions. That's the God we serve. The lion of Judah. Our champion. Our rescuer. That is who is in the room today. And I would ask that every person in the room would stand. Because there are people in this room that for the first time in their lives, they're being introduced to the other. The other that's in the fire. That they are going back to situations and circumstances that the world would tell them is going to destroy them. But right now, they are being introduced to the God who shuts the mouths of everything that is trying to take you out. It's in a service just like this. That the grace and the love of God met me in a moment. Changed my life forever. Changed my legacy. My children won't grow up knowing the same pain, knowing the same trials. Why? Because we're moving forward. It's my responsibility to go first, to train them up in the way, to teach them convictions 
to stand on so that they will not have to eat from the world that when the world tells them to worship other things they will say no there is only one and his name is Jesus when the world tells them to quiet in schools to not speak about Jesus don't carry around your Bible they will stand firm on the truth that no there is a God that loves me and is for me and no no devil in hell will ever take that from them that is what we do when we make a decision it's not just about us it's our generations to come it's our legacy so family legacies are about to change with one prayer with a prayer of salvation you just saying Jesus I am making you the leader and the Lord of my life I need you to take my life I need you to turn it around I need you to to show me how to walk show me show me the path why so that I can show my children so I can show the generations to come that's what's about to happen in this room and so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer you can use my words the words aren't as important as what's coming from your heart But today you're going to make Jesus Christ the leader and the Lord of your life. And we declare that your life will never be the same by the power that is only found in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to ask that every person in this room would repeat this prayer after me in belief that you're praying it for the person next to you and their generations will be changed just like yours. Say, dear Jesus, welcome to my world. I give you my past, I give you my present, and I place my future in your hands. Today, Lord, I'm yours, totally surrendered, now and forever. And I declare that I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, oh, come on, everybody said, Can we pull the curtains back? Can we pull the curtains back? Can we let the light in? Can we let the world know that we're unashamed and we're unapologetic, that Jesus Christ is the leader and the Lord of my life? And so on the count of three, I'm going to ask that if you just prayed that prayer, that you would boldly shoot your hand up in the air, that you would pull the curtains back and let everybody in this room know, no, no, today is my day of salvation. And this room is going to go crazy. Why? Because we're going to match the party that is going on in heaven. So on the count of three, I just want you to shoot that hand up one two three if that was you shoot it up right there we see you come on can we celebrate amen come on can we give god a shout of praise and let me be the first to say welcome to the family of god hey thank you for joining us and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible. And you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening and God bless you.